What up, Love Quest Nation? You are listening to our latest episode of our 9 a.m. Sunday experience, recorded live at our location in Vancouver, B.C. So come on in and enjoy a powerful right now word brought to you by our founding and lead pastor, Pastor Terrence Richmond. Enjoy. All right. Y'all ready to hear the word? He just been crushing it, so I just have to let him keep crushing it. I'm not stupid. When God is speaking through somebody, we're going to let him... We're going to let him keep speaking, so I will not muzzle um, the ox at all. And so I just want to welcome to the stage one of our elders in this house, um, one of our prophets, one of our teachers, one of our mighty, mighty men of God, um, Elder John to the stage. Come on, y'all can do better than that. Amen. Stretch your hand towards Elder John. Say, man of God, you better crush it. Don't waste my time. Tell me what thus says the Lord. Speak, man of God, with boldness, courage, and power in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Give God a hand. Hey, 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 amen, 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 amen. You know, I, uh, uh, I've done stuff before in which I had to make presentations, certain kind of presentations, particularly like business presentations. And, and one of the things that I was always taught was bring the funk early. Don't save the best part for last, but you bring the funk early. Amen? Amen? Amen. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to start with part two of what we talked about. A little bit. Can, can everyone see me? Can you see me? Because I can see you. Do a little bit of review. There won't be a lot of review. If you want to know what I talked about last time, make sure you go get the message. Now, what we talked about uh, basically was generally different kinds of love and prayer. The scripture says, as long as what our pastor Terrence mentioned, that love is a motivation for prayer. Love is the motivation for why we do what we do. But there's a lot of different kinds of love. And last week we talked about that in detail. What do certain kinds of love look like with certain kinds of prayer? So if you can uh, hit, that, hit that slide very quickly. We talked about eros. We talked about phileo, eros being emotional, phileo being friend. Uh, Storche, hello my little friend. Anyway, Storche, thank you. Uh, being parental love and mania being obsessive love. And agape being the love that talks about for you. It's the God kind of love. It focuses on you, focuses on others. It focuses on what God is doing. So we've already talked about those. So today, what we're focusing on is not those other forms. We're focusing on what I call the road to agape. Okay? We're going to focus on the road to agape. How do we get to agape? Because that's really where we're going. And sometimes knowing how to get where you're going will pull you through difficulty. I'm from Chicago, and there's snow there a lot. And sometimes it's knowing that I was going home that got me through all the snowstorm getting there. When you know where you're going, sometimes it helps you get through the journey and helps you make sure that you're going to get through the journey in a, in a safe, in a proper way. The road to Agape. 
Agape prayers shake nations and change generations. This is important to understand. Agape prayers shake nations and change generations. Now, I'm not going to reference it in detail always, but I'll do it here. Then by definition, that tells you that Eros prayers don't shake nations or change generations. Okay? Agape prayers are the kinds of prayers that shake nations and change generations. Agape prayers. That's why we want to go on the road to agape. Because when our prayers are motivated by that agape God kind of unconditional love, that's where nations are shaken and generations are changed. Well, as Pastor already talked about, that's where the thousand generations feel the weight and the reverberation of what you've prayed. The question is, how do you get there? And it's important to understand how do you get there. And that's what you need to ask. God never asked, minds you asking questions. We don't serve a God who says, listen, I ain't got enough time for questions. When I read the scripture, God answered everybody's question. There was never a question he didn't answer. For those that had a motivation that was improper, he answered them according to their motivation. And to those that had a motivation that was really seeking, he revealed the fullness of his truth. But he always answered every question. And you need to ask the question, how do we get there? If you're not answering, asking the question, how do we get there, then there's a concern that whether you're really ready to go or not. How do you get there is a sign that you're ready to go. How do you get there is a sign that you're fed up with where things have been. How do you get there is a sign that God is doing something on the inside of you that goes beyond what you're currently experiencing. How do I get there? And sometimes what God will do, he'll let you sit, he'll let you simmer, he'll let you stew, he'll let you marinate until you get to the point of saying, okay, God, but how do I get there? Because that is the producing point. Sometimes you have to wait till things get to a certain temperature before it will produce. And sometimes when you say, God, how do I get there? That's a cry of, I'm ready, I'm willing, I'll sacrifice what it takes. I want to see your will done. God, how do I get there? Sometimes that's the point of production. How do you get there? Three things for getting there. Three things to get there. Number one is you got to commit to agape. It, it sounds very basic, but it's so important. You have to commit to agape. That's how you get there. Number two. Stop misusing prayer. Stop misusing prayer. Stop using prayer in the wrong way for the wrong things because you can't misuse prayer. Number three, learn to pray agape. So by definition, that indicates it's something you have to learn to do. I, I, I like football. And uh, I, again, I've never pray, played at the professional level. But spiritually, I've seen things professionally. And, and one thing, I was listening to good coaching about, about football, particularly playing running back. And when you're running back, the guy who stands behind the quarterback and runs with the ball, they'll stand like this, okay? And what they'll say is this, and say the ball's going this way and the play's going this way and I'm supposed to get the ball. They'll say, ready, go. And most times, people will do this. They will either step over this way or come going that way. 
right? Or they'll do this, right? Both of those are false steps. Both of those decrease your power. When you cross your legs, you decrease your power, which means you're more easily overtaken. Got it? And also, you're slower to get there. To cross over, you're eating up time. Everyone's faster than you on the other side, so you have to be play fast. One of the things they teach you when you're running back is your first step is to play side. What does that mean? If the ball's going here, my first step is this. And that's hard to do, believe it or not. And they will spend time training you. Good coaches will spend time training you. Ready? Okay, try it again. Ready? Try it again. Ready? Try it again. Why? You have to learn the discipline of, of operating properly. You have to learn to pray agape. And sometimes the difference between praying agape motivation for other motivations is something as simple and small as taking this one step in the right direction. You got to learn. Everyone say learn. First, commit to agape. How do you commit to agape? You make it up in your heart and in your soul and your mind that all my prayers will be motivated by agape. You say that to yourself and you make that stance. All my prayers will be motivated by agape. But, but what if they're not? No, no, I don't care. I'm making the commitment that all of my prayers will be motivated by agape, the guy kind of love, the kind of love that prefers others, the kind of love that seeks others, the kind of love that seeks what God desires and what God wants. All my prayers will be motivated by agape. That is my commitment. In making that commitment, you are changing something on the inside of you. You're telling yourself and you're telling your soul that anything less than agape will no longer do. I won't pray unless I'm motivated by agape. Declarations like that, making those statements, that's establishing a commitment. All my prayers will be motivated by agape and I won't pray until or unless I'm motivated by agape. Now what that means is sometimes you may have to take more time praying. Sometimes you may need to take more time getting your motivations in order before you pray. But it will make you more effective when you do pray. Because you know that when you begin to pray, nothing but agape is going to be flowing through your prayers. Agape is the love that never fails. When you pray agape, you're praying prayers that never fail. It's worthwhile to take five more minutes of quiet time or five more minutes to check your own heart time if it means that the next prayer you pray is going to be motivated by a power that will never fail. Okay? I won't pray unless I'm motivated by agape. Now, it's important for you to understand what I'm not saying, particularly if you heard last, last week's message. Eros prayers about a motivation. A lot of times, Eros prayers are about your needs and about your circumstance. Okay? So, when I'm saying be motivated only by agape, I am saying something about how you should pray about those things. But it's important for you to understand what I'm not saying. What I'm not saying is you can't have feelings when you pray. I'm not saying that. Jesus was easily touched with the very feelings of our infirmities. That's King James. I learned King James when I was starting out with the fifties and the thous. Anyway, Jesus was very easily touched with the feelings of our infirmities. 
I'm not saying you can't have feelings when you pray. I'm not saying to never pray about your needs. I'm not saying that. But in the totality, when I look at your checkbook of prayer, and I'm looking at your entries of what you write checks on, are 80% of your checks written for prayers about your needs? If that is the case, maybe your budget is out of balance. Okay? What I'm saying is you have to check that. I'm not saying you don't ever pray about your needs. I am not saying that you never pray about someone else's needs either. I also am not saying that you never ask someone to pray for you. I am not saying that. This is essential for you to understand. We need people to pray for us. There are times, please pray for me. Jesus says, would you not come and pray with me? Would you not sit here and pray? You need people to pray with you. There are times when you need to ask people to pray for you. Okay? I'm not saying that you never ask someone to pray for you. What I am saying is you make a commitment to always pray agape all the time. For always agape all the time is what makes impact. That's what I'm saying. Let your focus be on moving to that place of praying from an agape love of God so all your prayers all the time make maximum impact because that's our objective. Do me this. I grew up watching an old Batman. In the 60s, Adam West, Burt Ward, and they had a guy named Riddler, Riddler. Um, I don't remember who the guy was, Riddler, right? Uh, Frank Gorshin was the guy who played Riddler. And he would start off with this thing saying, riddle me this. Thank you very much. <laughs> you know, sometimes pastors would give those references to hip-hop songs, all those that are under 50. Sometimes I get to give shout-outs to all those over 50. Riddle me this. Thank you very much, okay? Show me one of Jesus' prayers that was not motivated by agape. Go ahead, I'll wait. Show me a prayer that Jesus prayed that was not motivated by agape. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm waiting. Go ahead. You can't. You cannot show me a prayer that Jesus prayed that was not motivated by agape. He never prayed a prayer motivated by Eros, based on his needs, based on his own circumstance. He never prayed a prayer that was more focused on, I want to be like them, the phileo prayer. He never prayed a prayer that was more kind of overprotecting, storge. No, no, don't, don't let that happen to them. I don't, I'm concerned about them, those kind of things. He never prayed a prayer that was like, no, I'm tired. I want you to pray for me because I just, I just I need you to pray for me more because I want to give up my responsibility. He never prayed any prayer. He never prayed a manic prayer. Every prayer he prayed was motivated by agape, which means you can do it. It is possible. It's important for you to understand it. The closest thing to a something that may appear to be a prayer not motivated by agape is in Matthew 26, 39. It says, then he walked a short distance away, and overcome with grief, he threw himself face down on the ground and prayed. He's in the garden now, right before his crucifixion. My father, if there's any way you can deliver me from this suffering, please take it from me. Yet what I want is not important, for I only desire to fulfill your plan for me. Now, it may seem like he's focusing on his own comfort which is kind of an eros thing, an emotional thing. God, I want to be comfortable. I don't want to 
have to do difficulty. Okay? It may seem that way. But if you read the prayer in totality, what you see is this. What he's saying is, God, I don't want to experience the one thing that I live for, which is union with you. Now, he says, concerned about suffering. Many times we read this through our, our, our own selfish carnal minds, and the son want to go through pain. I don't want to go through pain. Yes, it included that, but I think he was as much focused on for the first time in my existence, either before I became flesh or now that I am flesh, I'm going to have to be separated from my father. For the first time, I'm going to have to be separated from my father. Is there another way we can do this? Because I so value my union with you. Now, that don't sound like arrows to me. I so value who you are in my life. I so appreciate the relationship that we have. If there's a way we can do this without me being separated from you, man, consider it, please. But then you see this, yet what I want is not important. For I only desire to fulfill your plan for me. So even if you want to say, I don't buy a preacher, that's agape in the beginning part. Even if, I'm excuse me, that's eros in the beginning part. It's not so much where you start, it's where you finish. Okay? Even if you say that was eros, selfish, motivated prayer in the beginning, he pivots and turns and says, uh-oh, hold it, press pause on that, and let me step over into agape and say, but no, it's about what you want. It's about, for, it's about you. It's for you, God, and it's for them, God. Sometimes when you're praying and it's not as important where you start as where you finish, okay? So if you don't start with an agape motivation in the beginning, make sure you get there by the time you really get to the earnestness part of, of your prayer. Uh, and you notice what God's response is. Then an angel from heaven appeared to strengthen him. When you give and press into agape, the resources of heaven respond to bring it to pass. One of the reasons God wants us to pray agape-motivated prayers because all of the kingdom is committed and commanded to respond to those things. Okay? They're committed and commanded to respond. Jesus says it this way. If you got a hundred sheep and one of your sheep gets lost, Will you not leave the 99 to go get the one? He didn't say, will you go get the one animal? There's a qualification there of going to get the one. The qualification is that you was one of my sheep to begin with. Selah. Okay? If you're one of, if you're one of my sheep and you get lost, I will put all the resources of the kingdom, all the authority in Jesus resonated and resided all and resides all authority, all power. You touch him, you touch the kingdom. When you touch an ambassador, you touch the country that they're from. You touch the ambassador of Canada, you've touched the whole country of Canada. It's military, it's authority, it's power, and it's people. When you touch them, you touch the entire country. So when he says, I'll leave the 99 to get the one, what he's saying is, I will mobilize the entirety of the kingdom to go get that single one. When you pray from the place of agape, it motivates and mobilizes the entire kingdom to respond 
on whatever is required to get the job done. And in God's sight, there's no such thing as too much. If you got to go to McDonald's, is it too much to put a tank escort in front of you rolling your way to McDonald's? Not if you was going to McDonald's in Agape, it's not. Secondly, stop, using, stop misusing prayer. Stop it. Stop it. Stop misusing prayer. So what am I talking about, stop misusing prayer? Stop misusing prayer. Let me back up. Stop misusing prayer. There are certain things prayer is designed to do. There are certain things that other things are designed to do. There are certain things that worship is designed to do. And I'm going to talk about this in a bit. When you are trying to use prayer to accomplish what worship is intended to accomplish, you are misusing prayer. Okay? Stop misusing prayer. And many times we get into those other non-agape ways of praying is because we're trying to use prayer to do something or to replace something else. Stop misusing prayer. So let's talk about those. Stop using prayer to replace meditation in the Word. There are things meditating in the Word are designed to accomplish. If you don't meditate in the Word and let that accomplish those things, many times you're filling the gaps with prayer. Stop misusing prayer to replace worship. There are certain things worship is designed to do. And if you're not doing worship, if not worshiping God, not only in your pertinent in collective time, but in your private time, you'll be tempted to use prayer to fill in the gaps for what worship is intended to do. Stop misusing prayer to replace declaration. There are times God is calling you to just declare the word. And in declaring the word, you accomplish the work that needs to be done. If you don't declare the word sufficiently, sometimes you will use prayer to fill in that gap. That is misusing prayer. Stop misusing prayer. And stop misusing prayer to replace praying in tongues. There are things that praying in tongues is designed to do. And when you're using other prayer, other things to accomplish what praying in tongues is designed to do, you are not, will not be as effective and you are misusing prayer. Essential, fervent, and consistent meditation, and when I say meditation, I mean meditation in the word. Consistent, fervent, uh, essential, fervent, and consistent meditation, worship, declaration, and praying in tongues eliminates eros, phileo, stoche, and manic or mania prayers. Many times, these kinds of prayers are trying to fill in the gaps for what those other things are intended to do. I'm going to walk through that just a little bit. What does meditation do? Meditation brings revelation and direction. Meditation in the Word. Psalm 48 says this, I long for more revelation of your truth, for I love the light of your Word as I meditate on your decrees. Meditation in the Word can bring revelation to you. It can show you what to do where to do it, how to do it. It can show you what God is doing. Sometimes you should be meditating in the word for the revelation or the light, more so than saying, God, show me what to do. When you're not meditating in the word, you're going to spend more of your prayer saying, God, show me what to do, which is a more of a focus on you and your circumstance. 
Maybe if you meditate in the word more, you'll get the illumination about what to do and don't have to use prayer to try to accomplish what meditation is designed to do. Joshua 1.8 says this, This book of the law shall not depart of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe and do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous. Are you concerned about prosperity? Does it say pray about prosperity? Or does it say meditate in the word day and night? And then you shall deal wisely. You want to have wise business dealings? Now you can ask for wisdom. But maybe some of your prayer about what God give me wisdom about this business deal or this relationship decision should be best answered by your meditating in the word. And then you have good success. You want good success? How many of our prayers are motivated, God, help me be successful in some way, shape, form, or fashion? We're trying to substitute prayer for meditation in the word. So we're using prayer on our needs, prayer on our circumstances, prayer on our success. When God is saying, that can be a misuse of prayer, meditation. Worshiping God magnifies your identity in him. Stop misusing prayer for what worship is accomplishing, supposed to do. Worship, this comes out of Psalm 135. Their possessions will never satisfy. Their lifeless and futile works cannot bring life to them. Their things can't talk to them or answer their prayers. These are people who are building and creating idols. Blind men can only create blind things. Those deaf to God can only make a deaf image. Dead men can only create dead idols. And everyone who trusts in these powerless dead things, emphasis, will be just like what they worship, powerless and dead. One of the reasons God calls us uh, to worship him is because it helps us know who we are. You become like what you worship. If you're going to worship dead things, you'll become dead. If you're going to worship flesh things, you'll become fleshy. You're going to worship what they're worshiping, you'll become what they're worshiping. Exodus 34 says it this way. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, he did not know that the skin of his face shone and sent forth beams by reason of his speaking with the Lord. Moses spent time in the presence of God, communing with God. So much so, he began to look like God. He began to glow and radiate with the light and the glory of God. Worshiping and magnifying who God is gets you into his presence and begins to transform you into the very image of God that you're worshiping. God, you are peace. That begins to transform your life to be a life of peace. God, you are um, omnipotent. You are all-powerful. That begins to translate your life to be able to exert power no matter what the circumstances are saying, no matter how the enemy is coming at you. God, you are holy begins to translate your life to be holy in everything that you do. How many times are we saying, God, God, I'm praying, God, for more peace. God, I pray you give me peace and let me have peace. God, I'm praying about peace. I'm praying about, I want peace like Pastor Terrence got peace. So that's a little filet there. I want the peace he got versus God, you are peace. 
God, you are peace. You're the God of peace for him. You're the God of peace for me. When you're worshiping God as the God of peace, you take on a countenance of peace. You radiate peace. You begin to look like the very peace of God that you're worshiping. You can't use prayer, misuse prayer to do what worship is designed to do. And when you're worshiping and walking in the image of God, how much will that take care of your eros needs and your uh, phileo needs and your storge needs? How much will that take deal with the manic issues in your life when you're walking in the image of God? Declaration brings heaven to earth. Declaration brings heaven to earth. And he said to them, when you pray, this is Luke. 11. And he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Declaration brings heaven to earth. Now, that's, now this prayer is not a prayer of asking. Well, gee, the next line is, give us this day our daily bread. Bruh, isn't that eros? I caught you. You don't know what you're talking about. God, please give us this day our daily bread. I'm praying about my needs. God, feed me. God, feed me. God, feed me. No, 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 no. The way that's supposed to be said is declarative. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You give us our daily bread. I don't have to ask. I am declaring that you give us our daily bread. I'm not asking you for my, that need to be met. I'm declaring my agreement with heaven. You do it. This line is taken from Exodus and, and, and those days where God sent forth manna. And he said to them, every day manna will show up. You ain't got to ask me. The only rule is only take what you need for that day. Because tomorrow there'll be more manna. So you don't have to ask me about manna tomorrow. Part of what he was trying to do is train them off the bottle. He was trying to wean them off the breast of having to ask God about their needs all the time. I got your needs covered, bruh. I got your needs covered, sis. When you show up in the morning early, and if you notice, it says early in the morning when the manna would be there. Maybe if you got up in the morning and began to declare, it was there. What they were saying, not only with that, you give us this day our daily bread, they were connecting more with worshiping of the God who did it then is the God who did it now. You have, you have ten thousands of generations of experience of meeting our needs. You met the needs of Abraham, Isaac, you met the needs of Jacob, you met the needs of my ancestors in the desert. Surely, God, you meet my needs today. I'm not asking you, I'm telling you what I know about who you are and about your character. Declaration brings heaven to earth. Sometimes you're using prayer to accomplish what declaration is intended to accomplish. That's misusing prayer. Praying in tongues overcomes flesh and builds agape. Jude. There's only one chapter, so that's why you don't see like a Jude 1. Jude's just one chapter. Jude 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, 
Praying in tongues builds you up. It builds you up in faith. It builds you up in air. It edifies you. It strengthens you. One of the primary definitions of edification is the removal of weakness. You cannot edify something and not address its weaknesses. You cannot edify something and not strengthen its core structure. Edification at its very heart implies we are addressing weaknesses. When you pray in tongues, it addresses the weaknesses of your flesh. So when you are praying in tongues, you are by the Spirit of God edifying, building up your spirit in a way that it can stand strong against the pulls and the temptations of the flesh. Now, because God is not a phileo God, not a stohe God solely, he is Father, but because he's not, oh, protect you, protect you from that. No, I'm going to protect you from your flesh. He says, no, your flesh is going to be there. Your flesh is going to be there. But I'm going to give you something to edify yourself so you can conquer it. And in the fact you keep it defeated, it's a testimony to the world of who I am. Because there's a world that doesn't have the spirit in them, but they have the flesh pulling them to destruction. And when they see the flesh pulling them to the destruction, and they see you with those same pulls but standing against it, they will say, give me that freedom, give me that peace, give me that liberty. There's nothing like victory in the face of an enemy. Because it makes sure that those that are watching knows that I got what it takes to win. They, they, they say it this way in football. There's a time and when you're practicing that you're wearing just jerseys and, t and shorts. They call them shorts and shells. They say every new draft pick looks amazing playing in shorts and shells. Let's see what happens when they get into contact, though. Let's see what happens when they get in the game. Running around in shorts and t-shirts, every draft pick looks great. But how many of them fold when contact comes? It's the ones that stand in the midst of contact that are demonstrated and proven. And when you do that, people will say, where did you train? How did you get that? How did you learn that? How can I be like you? Praying in tongues helps to edify you and strengthen you to stand in the face of the pull of the flesh, which is contact. And that gives a witness to people that God is bigger and that God is greater. And then it says this, and keep yourselves in the love of God. When you are edifying yourself, you are dealing with your weaknesses and building up your strengths. You are literally moving yourself more and more to agape motivation. That's the love it's talking about. When you're praying in other tongues, you are literally building yourselves up in the love of God. How do you know that? Go to Romans 5 and it says this. Such hope of salvation never disappoints or deludes or shames us for God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Holy Spirit is assigned to us. When you say, Jesus, please transform my life. Jesus, I believe you died for me. I'm going to take myself out of caring for myself. I'm going to take my life out of my own hands and put my life fully into your hands for the, its safekeeping and care. When you declare that, the Holy Spirit comes and releases the love of God in your heart. What kind of love do you think that is? That's the agape love of God in your heart. It's the never-failing love of God in your heart. So when you pray in other tongues, you begin to build yourself up in that agape. The agape love is already in you. It just stirs it up. How many of y'all like whipped cream? 
You like whipped cream? Now, you go to the store, they pull off a carton. It'll say whipping cream. That's whipped cream. You open it up, and you're looking for fluffy. You don't find fluffy, do you? What do you find? You find liquid. You're like, hold on. I thought this was whipped cream. I was ready to go in the mouth and wanted to, you know, that kind of stuff, right? No, it is whipping, it is whipped cream. But what you got to do is agitate it. When you stir it, it thickens. When you stir it, it rises. It adds height. When you stir it, you can take it and stick it on the wall and it won't fall down. You put a liquid on the wall, it's going to drip. When you're stirring up yourself, praying in other tongues, you're thickening the love of God. You're making it texture. You're making it thick. You're making it rich. You're making it in a way where you can set it on top of anything and it'll stand. It won't limp. It won't fall. It'll, it'll cover. It'll decorate. It'll make it desirable. That's what happens when you're praying in other tongues. You're thickening, you're, you're hastening, you're peaking that love of God on the inside of you. But unlike whipping cream, you can't over whip it. Whipping cream, you whip it too long, it'll begin to fall. But the love of God, you can't whip too long. The more you do these things, meditation, worship, declaring, and praying in tongues, the more you do these things, the more agape will motivate uh, your prayers to do only what agape can do. So, in fact, to summarize it, it's like this. Meditating in the word reveals who you are in God. I want to give you a picture of people panning for gold. Okay? Panning for gold. I don't know if you've ever seen these kind of pictures. It's how San Francisco, California was built. It's how B.C. would drew a lot of people out to B.C. Also, too. If you take dirt and you put it in the pan, and you put a little water in it, selah, and you do this with it, okay? What happens is the water begins to sift the dirt, okay? And because gold is heavy, it's weightier than the other stuff, it drops to the bottom, okay? So when you're panning for gold, what people would do is they would go by rivers, that's where flowing water was, and they take dirt from near the creek beds because the deposits would be uh, moved by the water into the side of the creek beds. They put the dirt in the pan and they do it like this. They wouldn't make that sound. I'm just giving you sound effects. Thank you very much. We're an artistic house, right? They do all that, right? And they would do that until what? The gold was separated. Till the gold was revealed. Okay, Medit uh, meditating in the word is that as you take the word of God and you begin to shake it and meditate in it and speak it and just begin to think about it and run it through you, it begins to separate and you begin to reveal who you are. Like the gold gets revealed, you who you are begins to get revealed by meditating in the word of God. Meditating in the word reveals who you are in God. And that's important because that strengthens you. If you know who you are in God, you stop praying for a bunch of stuff that maybe you're praying for. Worshiping God reveals who he is in you. Meditating reveals who you are in God. Worshiping reveals who he is in you. When you're worshiping God, he's seeing his son come forward in you. 
When you're worshiping God, he's seeing his forgiveness come forward in you. When you're worshiping God, it's revealing who he is in you. So that allows him to deal with you according to who he is, not according to who you are. If he is dealing with you according to who he is, how much does that deal with some of your, God, I'm so weak, I'm so insufficient. God, I don't know if I can make this. I don't know if I can. And you're worshiping. He looks at you and says, you can because I am in you. And that's being revealed right now. Okay? Declaring the word calls heaven to earth from the outside in. When you declare the word, it's coming from the outside in. It's coming from the outside in. Okay? When you're praying in tongues, it's calling heaven to earth from the inside out. You need it both ways. You need to call heaven to earth from the outside in. But that will never be as effective as when you're calling heaven to earth from the inside out. Okay? I can put on a shirt that makes me look buff. Okay? That's outside in. But when I take the shirt off, what do you see? Don't look. <laughs> okay? But when I'm fit from the inside out, any shirt I put on is going to look what? It's going to look like I'm buff. Right? Outside in, you need, particularly if you're not sure yet. You, what is declaring the word? I can look at the word and declare it from the outside in. But when I'm praying in tongues, it's really getting to the root of things to move me to, to, to where God needs me to be from the inside out. That's why those things are important. That's what they're designed to do. If you let that work do what it's called to do, you won't need to use prayers that are focused on me and what about me and how, to, and, and how do I deal with me as much, if at all. All of these types of things we just talked about take care of you. So your prayer can focus solely on others. That's what agape prayer is about. If you're doing those other things, there's nothing left for you to pray but agape. Because through those other things, my needs are met. Through those other things, I know who I am. Through those other things, I don't need my friend to complete me because I'm whole in him. Through those other things, I, can not, I don't have to be protected from the enemy because I know I can stand in the midst and the face of the enemy. If I'm doing those other things, I don't have to be overprotective in how I pray for people because I know that they can take care of themselves and God is going to make sure they don't fail. That means your prayer, there's nothing left for you to pray about but other folks. Ain't nothing for you to pray about but God's purpose. Ain't nothing left in you to motivate you but agape. Because everything else that would motivate you, every other kind of love that would motivate you has been resolved. we have everything. If prayer is essentially about asking God for what we don't have, but then we have everything. So what does that mean? 
Second Peter says this, everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us by his divine power. For all this was left us through the rich experience of knowing him, worship, who was called by, who's called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. We have already begun given everything that pertains to life and godliness. So if prayer is supposed to ask for things we don't have, and we've already been given everything that pertains to life and godliness, then what should we be praying for? Agape asks for what God has not given us and what God can't give himself. That's why agape prayer is so powerful. Because in praying agape, you're helping God give, get something that he can't give himself. You're not only praying for something that you don't have, but you're praying to have God get something he can't give himself. What is it that I don't have? Agape asks for nations. God has given me everything when I come into Christ. He's put it in me, but he has not given me Dylan. That's called slavery. He's given me everything I need that pertains to life and godliness, but he hasn't given me another man. He hasn't given me the nation. So when I'm praying about the nations, I'm praying for something God hasn't given me. That's what agape prayer is focused on. Nations. And believe it or not, God can't give nations to himself. Because again, that's called slavery. God is not going to give, going to take you. Dylan, you're mine. Love me, Dylan, you have to. Pastor Dylan, love me, you have to. No. Only you can give me your love. I can't take it. So when you're praying for nations, you're praying not only for something you don't have. God motivates that. And you don't have to be concerned about what you do have because that's taken care of. But you're also praying for God to to receive something he can't give himself. Man, you would pray, man, I so want to be in relationship with Dylan, Pastor Dylan, I so want to be in fellowship with him. And you would pray that he and I would have that, knowing I can't take it, but knowing he needs, he needs it and I want it. You're that concerned about, wow, kingdom of God moves on that behalf. God be asked for nations. Ask, Psalm 2 says this, Ask me to give you the nations and I will do it. God only asks you to give stuff that you don't have. Prayers for stuff you don't have at his heart. Ask me to give you the nations and I will do it. And they shall become your legacy, thousand generations. Your domain will stretch to the ends of the earth. Agape asks for souls. Nations is a collection of a people. It's a connection of a destiny, of a culture, of a heritage. That's what nations are. Souls are more individual. Soul is more unique to the person. Gopi asked for souls. Again, I don't have her soul. God can totally meet my need, but that doesn't mean she, he gives me control over her life. So when I'm praying for something I don't have, I'm praying for her. I don't have her. 
but I'm praying for her, and I'm motivated by nothing but the God kind of love. Why? Because I'm not using her to meet any of my needs. All of my needs are met. Everything I have needs taken care of is taken care of in God. Through, per, through meditation and worship and declaration, praying in tongues, it's been revealed in me, to me. I've called it down. I've called it out. All that's taken care of. So my only motivation in praying for someone that, that, that doesn't belong to me is that they would be well. My whole motivation is about their best interest, not trying to use it on my own. He will care, Psalm 72 says this, he will care for the needy and neglected when they cry to him for help. The humble and helpless will know his kindness, for with the Father's compassion, he will save their souls. Notice the key element here, neglected when they cry. It's not automatic, it's a choice. That's why when you're praying for the souls of others, God is so touched because he knows I can't give them myself. I can't take them. But when you're praying to give me a gift of a son or daughter returned back to me, knowing I can't give that to myself, what do you get someone who has everything? What can you give God that God can't give himself? Reconciliation with his family. And when you're praying for that, how much does that touch the heart of God? Deuteronomy 30 says this way, I have set before you life and death, the blessings and the curses. Therefore, choose life. It is optional. Why am I going through these scriptures? One is to show you that a soul coming to God is not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed. And so when we step in and yield our lives to pray for something that is still in question, that God may be glorified, that they may be loved and restored, and that God may have that relationship renewed with them in a special way. Man, God appreciates that. It's not guaranteed, so it's not something that you actually know that you have. That's the point. Prayers for those things. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears and listens to and heeds my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will eat with him, and he will eat with me. God stands and knocks. Agape asks for wisdom. Why? So you can focus on nations and souls. God's asking you, God, give me wisdom so I can focus on the things that matter to you. Give me wisdom about how to deal with my natural affairs, my resources, so I can focus on the, my prayer life on things that matter to you. Give me wisdom in dealing with my family so I don't have to spend my prayer time praying for my family. I can spend my prayer time praying for the souls and nations of those that don't know you. God says, give me wisdom so you can focus on souls. James 1 and 5 basically just says what I had mentioned, that if you need wisdom, ask God. He will give it to you liberally. Um, and part of the wisdom that's in Luke 16 is this. Part of that wisdom says this. I won't go through the details of it. Part of the wisdom says this. There's a story about a, about a steward. He says, I'm getting, I'm getting ready to be turned out of my stewardship. I'm too old to work, too proud to beg. What can I do? I'll take those people that owe stuff to my master, have debts to my master. And I say, listen, I'll cut your debt in half. Okay? I'll cut your debt in half. Just pay, pay the half and we're good. I got the authority to do that. I got the authority to help cancel your debt to the master. Cut that debt in half and you're good. And he did that for all of the vendors. 
And you know what the master said? The master didn't say, oh, man, you cheated me. That master said this, man, I like your style because you knew you was getting turned out of this job. So you used the resources and the time you had with my stuff for a greater purpose, to build relationships so that way when you got turned out of this job, you'd have friends to greet you. Okay? What God is asking us in terms of agape prayer is the same thing. Use the resources that you have in ways that bring people to God and to Christ. Focus your time in those other areas we talked about so your life can be whole, so you can use your time bringing people from darkness to light, bringing people from outside of God's relationship to knowing him. And when you do that, your prayers will be agape prayers. Prayers that talk about manifesting love and manifesting the wisdom of God and the life of God and the power of God and the wholeness of God and the glory of God in everyone's life. And the love of God that transforms you through your prayers for nations and for souls based on agape will enter their lives and transform them. That is the road to agape. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand on your feet and we're just going to pray. Father, good Father, we thank you that you love us so much. Father, you've heard the word that's been, refer that's been shared. And I pray that right now what's going on in everybody's heart is this. How do I get to agape? I pray that through what's been preached, people are stirred. Okay, how do I get there? And we all have our journeys. What, I, what God has had me declare was instruction, but you have to live it out. You got to build your IKEA furniture. I can only give you the instructions for it. So, Father, I pray that the word has gone forward into the hearts and the souls of not only people in this room, but people who are listening to this word. And their lives will be transformed. Their lives will be changed. God, uproot the things that keep us from agape. God, stir in us the desire to meditate in your word, the desire to worship you, the desire to declare your word and to pray in the spirit in ways that allow us to have all of those other areas taken care of so our prayers, every time we pray, always when we pray, can be motivated by the agape love of God that brings nations into your kingdom, that brings souls from darkness to light that shakes cities and transforms generations. Father, let us pray forward into generations to come the thing that will never fail, which is not riches and wealth, but is the love of God in the soul of, a, of another person. Father, we pray, let us be a people of agape. Let us be a house of prayer for all nations. Let us be a people who prays with the fervent love of God for people and souls, knowing that our God has taken care of us and we've received everything else that pertains to life and godliness. Father, we thank you. And right now, I want to activate, with the next 30 seconds, I want to activate this. Use your agape on someone right now. For the next 30 seconds, go to God on behalf of someone else. A soul, a city, a nation. Go to God on behalf of somebody else. 
And as you take these next 30, 45 seconds to do that, just say in your heart, God, I'm putting aside all the stuff about me. And I want to pray just with a pure motivation just for them. And just pray. Lord, touch their heart. Lord, they need to know you. God, they need to know your peace. They need your deliverance. Oh, Lord, let your love flow to them and fill them. Wherever that is. Father, we thank you that you always answer agape prayers with an agape manifestation of deliverance and wholeness. So, Father, I thank you that in this week, those prayers that we prayed in agape, we will see results, we will see fruit, we will see answers, and we will be able to give glory to you knowing that you've done exactly what your word has said. You've confirmed exactly who you said you are in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us. Stay connected with us by following us on social media at LoveQuestINTL Church. And join us next time as we receive another powerful right now word brought to us by our man of God, Pastor Terrence Richmond. Enjoy the rest of your day. And in the meantime, get your love fixed, man.